Welcome back, story fiends, to their stories everywhere with Aledria Hurt. I'm your hostess, Aledria Hurt, and this week we're doing a short piece called Without Remorse. Without further ado, here you are. The night the mirror winked at me, I was sitting home, doing homework like the usual. I looked up to the sound of my parents fighting, as usual. I turned to look at my mirror, scanning my face for the look of shock or fear or anything at all. Then my reflection winked at me. It was a slow, casual wink, the kind of conspirator's move one expects between friends except I sat there staring at my reflection in the aftermath as it returned to normal. All too certain, nothing would ever be normal again. Going over to the mirror, I stood before it with a kind of dumb fascination. What I had seen could not have happened. Could it? I had to have made it up. My parents always said I was good at making things up. I was really good at making things up, according to them. So good, in fact, nothing I said was ever taken at face value. I didn't expect them to listen to me about this any more than they listened to me about how it wasn't my fault certain things happened to me, like the kids picking on my clothes or the teachers being a little too mean. It, of course, was all my fault. Standing there at the mirror, I made a face in it, just to see what would happen. Nothing seemed out of place in the room in the mirror. Is twin in the room with me, my desk with its old forgottenly dusty lamp, and the books which were both my refuge and my prison. I wanted nothing more than for something to be different, yet not one thing appeared out of place except me. I looked out of place in my own room, much as I had always looked out of place everywhere I went. I was too much according to so many. My mother and father, my teachers, my so-called friends, I was just too much. I spurted out in directions no one wanted to see. I had grown into my body and then out of my clothes. My mother, the veteran of the diet wars, said I needed to lose the weight. Once I was skinny, they wouldn't pick on me so much. My father, more of a pill popper than an alcoholic, said being skinny wouldn't save me, but it might very well help. Either way, they both espoused the view I needed to be less. Staring into my own eyes in the mirror practically afraid to look anywhere else lest I be met with the sight of my too-muchness. I was looking directly at the mirror when it winked again, and my face broke into a maniac's grin. It showed my own teeth so that I thought it might lunge through and rip my throat out. My breath was coming in short, wheezy gasps. Then it did something even worse. It brought one finger to its mouth in the gesture of shush the grin never going away. I tried to be quiet. I tried, but I couldn't feel any way to do that. My body wanted more air, as though I couldn't get enough, yet I was breathing as fast as I could. 
Terror inhabited my bones like termites in wood, fast eating its way through my faculties. My tongue, for all that I thought to scream, stayed glued to the bottom of my mouth. The grin on my reflection turned redder by the moment, taking on a painted cartoon look. It was me. I didn't have any doubt about it. I had seen that look on my face before, but I had been young, I had been younger. Lipstick all over my lips and teeth like blood. I couldn't have been more than five or six, yet there it was again. When the reflection settled back into place and became me again, pearls of sweat ran down my face in pits. I could smell my own fear coming off me in waves of heat. Swallowing everything, I went back to my desk. I sat down mechanically, opened a book, and began to read. I didn't dare look at the mirror. I didn't dare look. The next morning I went to school, dreading every moment like one assigned the gallows. They would pick, chant, and sing at me whenever they could, the other children. They knew no mercy. Perhaps I was the one who was wrong to expect any. I ducked in my classroom, uncertain of what to make of everything. Another student was busy drawing on the board while the teacher was out of the room. I didn't have to try too hard to recognize my own figure being portrayed with the porcine nose and curly tail. They didn't have to do the further injustice of writing my name beneath it, but they did. Of course they did. I slunk to my chair and sat down to the familiar creak of wood on metal and put my head on the desk. I didn't look up when the chanting started. I had no reason to. I knew the words. I knew they would chant until the teacher made them stop, assuming the teacher didn't sit in judgment of me for being too much, just as much as they did. I simply sat with my head on the desk and endured. The teacher did not stop them for what seemed like far too long. I drifted on a sea of sound created by their chants. Strange how it became white noise so quickly. Then it stopped, and I sat up. The stopping wasn't like children who were told to hush. There was always some stray voice which carried the last note for a moment longer than acceptable. No, this was a stopping like chopping, the sound there, and then gone a moment later. I looked up. There was nothing different about the view. There were children. We were in a classroom. The teacher sat in her seat near the door, not a pin out of place anywhere, yet there was no sound. I wondered for a moment if I had gone deaf on top of being fat. What a toxic combination that would be. No, it was simply the fact that no one was making any noise. I fancied I heard heartbeats over the silence, but that wasn't all. There was no sound outside of the room as well. No PA system crackle or students rabble-rousing in the halls or even the sound of the air conditioner fighting to keep the building a few degrees cooler than the outside. None of it. Just silence. Without warning, it returned to normal. People talking. The sounds of doors opening and closing. The teacher saying something to the class I could only understand as barely worth it chiding. They wouldn't listen to her any more than they would listen to my cries of despair. 
cries of despair which went unheeded because they were the cries of a victim, no more moving to the wolf than the bleeding of an injured lamb. I settled against the back of the chair and waited for something to be different, something to change. Nothing did. The world went on. Mom picked me up from school. She and Dad had had another fight. I could tell from the pronounced makeup around her jawline. It didn't quite cover the bruising, but she had made a game attempt. How was school? The daily question. Fine. The daily answer. I turned to look out the window. The maniac in me was there, grinning at me from the window. I squeezed my eyes shut to hide from it because I was beginning to understand what it wanted. What it wanted wasn't good. Well, wasn't good for anyone but me. At home, Mom let me out, and I went up to my room alone, but not. The maniac was there, grinned at me from the mirror, stared from every shiny surface, and waited for me to acknowledge it. I didn't want to. I didn't want to let it out. I didn't want to show myself as it. Berry red lips which dripped the blood of my enemies. The awareness that I had enemies, serious enemies, I would give much to see their downfall, perhaps even everything. I want to see them gone. The thought was there. The thought of their demise was there. The thought of my revenge was there. The maniac inside of me crowed with pleasure. I sat down at my desk and looked at the books stacked there. Academic books and books for school. I needed to see about new books. The maniac whispered to me from the mirror. It whispered of the horrors I could visit on those who hurt me. It whispered, and I listened. Jello is easy. Hiding the antifreeze is of medium difficulty. Getting a bunch of children to eat laced jello. Well, that wasn't hard enough. The day was hot. Outside of the school blazed like a sun had been installed at street level. I took my concoction to the playground. It threatened to completely melt, but I didn't need to do much more than get it there. Greed did the rest. And they always said I was greedy. I stood near the picnic table where I put the jello, but I didn't have any. I've already had plenty, I said to the inevitable question of whether or not I would be having any. Just grinning. My lips the color of the cherry jello I made just for me. I took everything home and washed it thoroughly in hot water. I wasn't sure if I would get away with it. A touch of dread at the reality of getting caught lived in my belly, but so did the knot of needing to see justice done. They called me fat, fat, fatty. I called them dead. They had it coming. My mother, the patron saint of all things school-related, carted me to the memorial services for several of my classmates. I didn't cry. Sitting there in my too close-fitting black dress, I didn't cry. I just sat there and tried not to grin. I had gotten one over on them. I had gotten away with it. 
With each one that went in the ground, the bigger my grin got and the harder it was to hide. Fewer people to call me too much. But the truth was, I hadn't solved my problem. My parents continued to tell me I needed to be healthier, or rather, skinnier. The maniac grinned at me from the mirror, grinned and even cavorted a bit when I was alone in my room. It went to bed with me at night, the mirror uncovered as it was. It whispered to me how we weren't done. It whispered and whispered, and I listened. Daddy had to go. He got hammered, pills, and alcohol. I crept down the stairs to where he lay on the couch and offered him some water. It wasn't completely my fault he drowned on the couch because he couldn't sit up. An accident, they called it. It certainly was. My mother, wearing her best black strapless dress, held my hand inside the little chapel where they brought Daddy before they were going to lay him to rest. I thought it was funny we were in a chapel when Daddy was quite certainly somewhere in hell. I kept the observation to myself. I kept everything to myself in those days. The maniac's grins and whispers had become less. The teasing and unkindness had lessened as well. Undoubtedly, one fed the other. I wondered at my mother. Just wondered why I didn't seem to feel the urge to kill her. Funny thing. I grew up. I changed. But I never truly felt remorse. After all, when you've killed your classmates, your father, and several of your lovers, remorse isn't exactly the kind of thing you have a lot of. Well, what did you think? You can leave me a note here at the podcast by using the voice message feature. You can tweet me on Twitter at Our Lady of Ashes, or you can email me at aledria at aledriahurt.com.